And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Hey there, Wonderlings. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I'm bringing you something a little special. Also kind of like a re-release of a couple episodes, but I thought, you know what? Today is Mother's Day, so I'd like to honor Norma Arnold, played by Allie Mills, with two Norma and Kevin episodes. The first one is season three, episode four, entitled Mom Wars, which, oh my gosh, this episode aired on Halloween, October 31st, 1989. In this episode, when Kevin, excuse me, when mom grows concerned about Kevin playing rough in touch football after school, Kevin has to make a choice. This episode's got an 8.6 out of 10 rating based on 195 ratings, directed by Daniel Stern of Home Alone fame. And writers Neil Marlins, Carol Black, the creators, and written by Todd W. Langan. All right. So one song that plays at the end of this episode that I absolutely love, it's such a great song, it's called The Circle Game by Joni Mitchell. Oops. And I thought, I mean, Norma shows what a great mother that she is throughout the entire show's run, but these two particular episodes, Mom Wars and of course Season four's When Worlds Collide, really showcase... Not just Norma and Kevin's relationship, but also Allie and Fred's acting. They really, really, just like when he has scenes with Dan Loria, who plays Jack, he just, they're so good together. And it's just, I I love this mother-son relationship. You know, because the show is from Kevin's point of view, we, you know... We get scenes with her and Kevin. We also get scenes with her with Karen. We don't get too much. That would have been interesting maybe for a moment just to see with uh, Norma and Wayne. And the only one I can really think of scenes in particular with that would be um, Private Butthead when he wants to join the army because he's kind of run out of options. College clearly is not going to be an option for Wayne. And then also in season six when Wayne decides to move in with his girlfriend Bonnie who's a single mother and a divorcee. So, of course as I said the second episode I'm covering in this if you want to call it, call it a Norma and Kevin double feature season 4 episode f- 17 entitled When Worlds Collide which aired on March 20th 1991 and this episode when his mom takes a job in the attendance office at his school Kevin worries that his life is ruined after his mom embarrasses him during a fire drill Kevin tells her to no longer talk to him while at school. Basically pretend that, you know, you don't know me, I don't know you, while we're here at school, 
I'm not your son and you're not my mother. Basically pretend you don't even see me and I'll do the same. Like, we don't even exist to each other. And I remember that that scene when he w- had come downstairs and she was doing the laundry and he's kind of laying out his plan for how he wants to uh, avoid any more embarrassing encounters. Um, and just the look of hurt and even a little pain on Norma's face. like Almost like, oh my gosh, my son's embarrassed by me. This episode's got an 8.3 out of 10, based on 153 ratings. It was directed by Lyndall Hobbs, writers Neil Marlin and Carol Carol Black, the creators, and written by Eric Gilliand. Well, there's a little goof in this episode. While Kevin and his mother are driving home from his school shortly after she is fired, yeah, by the way, DePerna is a major prick in this episode because he fires her. Apparently, he thinks her Norma's typing is laborious. <laughs> Fuck you, DePerna. Anyway, back to the goof here. If you look out the window of their car, you can clearly see a Ford truck or SUV from the 1980s. Crew or or crew or equipment visible. When Kevin is leaving the office after being caught trying to steal a pass, a crew member's arm can be seen in the right side of the frame. Really? Okay. Interesting. Alright, so... I want to wish everyone out there a happy Mother's Day. Whether you have your babies, your kids, your fur babies... Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Enjoy Mom Wars and When Worlds Collide. We opened the episode with an old home movie montage of a little three-year-old Kevin entering his parents' bedroom with his dad to surprise Norma on her birthday with a card. It's so cute. She picks him up and kisses him on the cheek. Then we see the family in the backyard grilling and Norma goofing off for the camera, but quickly she switches into mom mode when she sees young Wayne being too rough with little Kevin, and she swoops in and makes it all better. Adult Kevin narrates how it was nice to have her close by whenever he needed her, of course. That was when he was five, but at 13, it could be stifling because she's always there. As we see her knocking on the bathroom door, asking if he's all right. He's like, Mom, I'm in the bathroom, he tells her. Well, all I can say is if he was masturbating in there, you ain't going to get no privacy in the house, Kev. Kevin comes out of the bathroom with a towel around his neck. He tells us that, yeah, a mom's got to be a mom, but a guy's got to be a guy. And when an irresistible force meets an immovable object, sooner or later, something's got to give. Yeah, I'm not a parent. You know, I can't speak on Norma's behalf, but having once been a teenager, I think that's when my dad and I started to not get along. I wanted more independence, and he wasn't exactly happy with that. When you're a little boy, you don't have to go very far to find the center of your universe.
is always there. It's a pretty good arrangement when you're five. But around age 13, there starts to be a problem. Kevin? Mom, I'm in the bathroom. The problem is, she's always there. <laughs> is everything okay, honey? Mom? And I mean always. Really? Just checking. Away. Now a mom's got to be a mom, but a guy's got to be a guy. And when an irresistible force meets an immovable object, sooner or later, something's got to give. Hey! Then we see the boys on the gridiron or Shepherd's Park playing football as Kevin playing football or bleh. Basically, Shepherd's Park is where the boys are playing. Kevin calls it no equipment football. He tells us he's been playing every afternoon after school since the cool weather set in. So, since the cool weather set in recently, or he's been doing this for the last week, and Norma just has no idea, and she's just fine with it, or what's going on here? Or is the first sign of blood that he gets that she takes notice and jumps on that, I guess. The kids are running and tackling each other, having a great time. This is the episode where we meet Dickhead, as I'm referring to him, Craig Hobson. I really don't like this guy. He's an asshole with no redeeming qualities whatsoever. We get evidence of this when he teases Paul for wearing too many sweatshirts. Actually, it's mainly a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, and a zip-up hoodie. In Paul's defense, it's got to be late fall. He tells Hobson he needs them because the wind really cuts through you like a knife. Yeah, definitely. When it gets cold... Like, when I go on my walks, I'll, like, go out and kind of test the air. Like, oh, maybe I should go, you know, put on, you know, heavier pants or whatever. Or sweatpants or whatever. Or, um, a jacket. So, uh, he's... Although, if he's running and tackling, etc., I would think he would probably get too warm having all that on. Many times I've misjudged the weather on my walks wearing heavy, heavy pants and a hoodie only to get overly warm and then embarrassed when I see other people walking around in either a sports bra and thin workout shirt or a thin workout shirt and thin jogger pants. Like, I probably overdid it. After the tackle, the kids hop up and brush off. When they Then they notice Doug Porter on the ground breathing heavily. A couple kids ask him if he's breathing and if he's okay. He looks like he just got the wind knocked out of him. No cracked ribs or a shattered pelvis or messed up vertebrae. He's all good. Doug sits up and tells them he's fine, much to Paul's disbelief because from his expression, he was hoping that the injury would result in game over. So Kevin gets into a huddle and explains the next play to his teammates. They break and Kevin chucks the ball. Now we move to the kitchen later that night when Norma asks, Is that blood on your shirt? The shirt he's wearing is a long red-sleeved white shirt, one of those baseball-type shirts. Maybe he should have worn a dark shirt that wouldn't show stains, like maybe a black shirt or a blue shirt or a red shirt. Because the blood would, like mix in with a red shirt and he could just say it's like whatever he tells her oh no it's ketchup from lunch at school karen comes in and notices right away asking how'd you get that blood on your shirt again kevin confirms it's not blood norma asks how he got ketchup on his shirt and he tells her oh it's from fish, fish sticks at lunch then she goes over checks the 
the school lunch menu on the fridge. Now, I don't remember having my own copy of the lunch menu to take home. I had to memorize it while I was in the lunch line. Usually, Chicken Nugget Day was always on Wednesday, until in high school when I think it moved to Thursday. Those were the, honestly, out of all the things they served at the school lunch, Chicken Nugget Day was the best. I remember in elementary school when on Chicken Nugget Day, when we had those styrofoam trays, that if you got a sticker on the bottom of your tray, you got a prize. We were always told that we had to wait till after we finished our lunch, but we always looked, like as soon as we sat down with our tray, we'd like try to lift it up a little to see if we would got a sticker or not. She tells him that that day was actually, it, that was pizza day. Kevin then corrects her himself on uh, corrects himself like oh yeah did I say ketchup I, I meant pizza sauce of course who would who should come in and fuck everything up but Wayne when he mentions oh I heard Doug Porter got creamed at your football game that earlier okay how in the hell does Wayne know this where is he getting his information from he's got to have somebody he's got to have somebody that knows. Norma looks at Kevin, football? Is that tackle football? Then she starts really grilling him, which is funny because she's grilling Hamburg's grilling. <laughs> Asking who he's playing with. His response, oh, friends from school. Where? She asks, oh, at, at, at the school? And he tells her, no, at the park. Then she asks, well, do you guys have a coach? And he asks innocently, a coach? She says, well, don't you guys, don't you think that something like that should be supervised? You know, Norma, uh, you know, if Norma knew about all the professional football players getting concussions, and that's with equipment, or high school football players fucking up their back, possibly paralyzing themselves for life, she would definitely forbid him to play. Karen, of course, has to throw in her two cents, saying how football is totally barbaric. And Kevin tells Norma, look, you have nothing to worry about. Don't you trust me? Or trust me. Didn't he ask her to trust him in season two, episode one, Heart of Darkness, when he and Paul hung out in the woods with Gary? Look how well that turned out. She tells him, well, of course I trust you. I just don't want anyone getting injured. Kevin scoffs at this, like, Psst turning serious again, like, injured. <laughs> Look, no one's going to get injured, okay? Then... Kevin, is that blood on your shirt? Uh... Not that I had anything to hide, of course. It's just that, well, you know how moms are. I don't think so. Well, it's ketchup. Ketchup? Yeah. How do you get that blood on your shirt? It's not blood. Not mine, anyway. It's ketchup, okay? Well, how'd you get the ketchup on your shirt? At lunch today. We had fish sticks. Sure, that's it. Fish sticks. Well, that's odd. It says here that Tuesday's pizza day at school. Boy, nothing slipped past this woman. Did I say fish sticks? I'm sorry. Fish sticks was yesterday. This is, uh, pizza sauce. Oh. There. Neatly done, thereby avoiding any needless discussions about... So I heard, uh, Porter got creamed at your football game today, huh? Football? I'm getting his info. Is that tackle football? Great. Now the time? fat was in the fire. Commence grilling. Well, Mom, you know, it's, it's not really tackle. 
Who are you playing tackle football with? Just some friends. At school? At the park. You have a coach? A coach? Well, don't you think something like that should be supervised? Football is totally barbaric. This discussion was moving in the wrong direction. I had to take action, and fast. Look, Mom, there's nothing to worry about, okay? It's no big deal. Trust me. Of course I trust you, honey. I just don't want anyone to get injured. <laughs> injured? No one's going to get injured, Mom. Now we hear the young boys yelling as they slam into each other in the park during a scrimmage. After one boy, a kid on the bottom of the tackle pile tries to walk it off after probably bruising some ribs, Paul points out to Kevin his mom's car driving past. Like, hey, is that your mom? Kevin takes note of this. Being his mom, his he's like, well, no, she's never driven by the park before when he played. Hmm. During science class the next day, again being taught by Mr. Cantwell, actor Ben Stein, provides commentary to the film strip playing, all about mothers in nature sacrificing their lives for their children. We see a salmon swimming upstream, then we see a mountain lion carrying her cub in her mouth, and then we also see this this big bird, like, sitting on its baby, which is already born, by the way. It's really cute. But it's like he's sitting down on it, laying on it, and then you see this little duck, fuzzy duck's head being squished and his eyeball, like, practically popping out of its head. It's like, no, you're squishing it. <laughs> Broken neck. Paul brings up possible reasons for Kevin's mom to have been driving past the other day. And Kevin looks at him confused. I'm sure he's probably already moved on. Like, I really don't care. I've moved on. But of course, Paul has to drudge up the past and old worries. Paul only voices concern because he doesn't want Kevin's mom talking to his mom. Because we've seen Ida Pfeiffer and we all know that she probably worries more than Kevin's mom when it comes to her son. Kevin reassures him they're doing nothing wrong and we have nothing to worry about. However, surprise, surprise, who should show up at school but Norma? And she's there to take him shopping for pants. The guys ask him if he's coming with to the park for more football action. And Kevin tells them, well, hey, hold up. Um, I'll only be a minute. The moment he reaches the passenger window, she tells him, hey, hop in. I'm taking you shopping for new pants since there's a sale over at Boys Town. I beg, well, wait a minute. This is something that can be done on a weekend. Plus, I'm sure the sale will still be there on Saturday unless it's one of those one-day-only sales. Everything's 75% off or something. He tells her he's going to take the bus because the guys are waiting. She levels him with a, I think you need new pants. If I were him, I'd be like, great. You know my measurements. Go get me some. <laughs> he tells her, he, you know, I don't need new pants. The ones I have fit great. They're stylish. I just don't need new pants. But she's determined to get him new pants and take him shopping. Instinct. The biological imperative. <laughs> what makes this salmon fight her way through hostile currents? Only to lay her eggs and die. Her energy spent. Maybe she was picking up your dad's dry cleaning. Huh? Your mom. Clearly moved out from that one, your father. This courageous mallard, 
facing certain annihilation, defends her young against a venomous predator. I just hope she doesn't talk to my mom. Look, Paul, it's all big deal, okay? At least I hope not. Ever vigilant of our harsh and murderous environment, a cougar drags her cub to safety. Okay, but if you think we should stop playing... Why are you just hey, looking for an out? suggestion. Okay. Look, we're not doing anything wrong, okay? I just hate to think what my mom would do to me if she found out. What are you so afraid of? Of course, there are cases of instinct gone berserk. <laughs> Wait a minute, this was starting to get embarrassing. Look, I'll be right back, okay? You're coming with us? Yeah, yeah, I'll just be back in a minute. Hop in. Why? I'm going to take you shopping. Mm -hmm. No, you're not. Shopping. Yeah, there's a sale over at Boys Town. Good for you. And suddenly I was hearing alarm bells. Look, uh, Mom, I'm going to take the bus today. See, the guys are waiting. I think you need new pants. No, he don't. Uh, look, Mom, the pants I have are fine, okay? I, I don't need new pants. I mean, they fit great. They're stylish. I just don't need new pants. There. Whew. I was finally getting through. No, you're not. I think you need new pants. Ooh. <laughs> so the next thing we see, Kevin trying out a stack of pair on a pairs of hideous pants i mean they're sure there are some blue jeans but then we get weird rainbow color pants and one with, with stripes i noticed kevin actually switched to boxer shorts from the tidy whities from season earlier in season two <laughs> yeah i'm not a pervert <laughs> he goes out in these puke green pants and she shakes her head no at him she's doing this deliberately giving him all these pairs of pants she knows that she's not gonna like anyway but having him try them on to kill like she's basically killing time until it's time probably to start dinner so she's doing this deliberately to keep him from playing football after school. He's probably tried on ten pairs and a half of them. Half of them are gross. And she tells him, no, try these, other, these others on. I remember shopping for clothes with my grandma, and she had me come out of the dressing room with the clothes on, and she'd ask me what I thought. I usually reply, fine, you know, oh, yeah, they're okay. I mean, I'm not a big clothes Person, shopping person, I'm really not into that too much. I sure was uncomfortable when I was trying on my first bras. I mean, yikes. Bra shopping, yikes. Kevin walks out of the dressing room wearing blue and white striped pants, and the, clerk, the store clerk doing the alterations asks him, well, how do they fit? Kevin says, fine, we'll take them. But Norma is concerned because it looks like they're a little roomy in the crotch area. Way to go and make a guy feel weird in public there, Norma. Well, maybe Rumi is a good thing. That way when he gets all those teenage boy erections, it won't cut off the blood supply to his junk. <laughs> Back in the car, Norma tells him, See, that wasn't so bad, was it? And Kevin fixes her with a death glare like, You gotta be kidding me right now. 
Then she mentions how, oh, there's no time to run to Buster Brown's for shoes. You're going to have new, have to have new shoes to go with those pants. She's like, well, we'll just have to go tomorrow. If I were Kevin, I'd be like, oh, hell no. Kevin tells her point blank, look, Mom, I have a football game tomorrow. She just smiles and tells him, we'll talk about that later. No, there is no later, only now. Let's just lay all the cards out on the table and have this out. All of a sudden, Norma slams on her brakes, not seeing the red light, and her arm shoots out across Kevin's chest to keep him from flying out the windshield since I don't think they have seatbelts yet. Damn, two episodes in a row of someone in Kevin's family almost kills him in a car accident. She asks if he's okay, and he looks so agitated that he's about to pop a blood vessel as she caresses his head. How do they fit? Fine, we'll take them. Ooh, Not so sure. They seem awfully roomy in the crotch. Well, he's a teenage Gee, boy. Mom, could you room. say it a little louder? I'm not sure everyone in the store heard. Attention shoppers, attention shoppers. Plenty of room in Kevin Arnold's crutch. That wasn't so bad, was it? You're living hell. But I'd survived. The debt was paid, Mom was happy, and tomorrow was a whole new ball game. Oh, I guess it's too late. For what? Buster Browns. You're gonna need shoes to go with all those new pants. We'll just have to go tomorrow. No, we're not. And then in a flash, everything was horribly clear. Mom was going to take me shopping in the afternoon for the rest of my life. Well, I have a football game tomorrow. Yeah, well, we can talk about that later. Uh-uh. We were going to have this out right here. Right... <laughs> Honey, are you okay? You could have killed him. It's a tough him. time in life when you're struggling for manhood and your struggling for manhood and your mother still outweighs you by fifty pounds. Please I was left with only one option. Kevin decides to broach the subject of playing football with Jack, so he ambushes him as soon as he walks in the door from work. And Jack says, "You know, I have no problem with you, you know, giving you permission to play. Like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah." He's like, "Well, didn't you play as a kid and this, and you didn't use equipment and blah blah blah?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, you can play." So of course, when he's taking his drink from Norma, she's like, "You know, Jack, I don't think it's such a good idea." And he's like, "You heard your mother." And he heads into the living room with his vodka or whatever. So Norma tells him, so I'll pick you up after school tomorrow to get those shoes. As she sets down a plate of cookies in front of him, he bites into one clearly pissed. Like, oh, I'm so damn pissed. I can't even enjoy this cookie. It tastes like dirt. Call in the heavy artillery. <laughs> Dad, you gotta talk. Huh? No one had ever actually spoken to my father before he put down his briefcase. But I was going for broke. Do you think one good reason why I shouldn't be able to play football with the other guys? I mean, I bet you played football without any equipment when you were a little kid, and I've been playing for a very long time now, and nothing's ever really happened. And the guys are really counting on me to play tonight. So? So can we play or not? Sure, go ahead. Touchdown! I don't think it's a good idea, Jack. You heard your mother. Okay, that did it. So, I'll pick you up at school tomorrow and we'll go for those shoes. The lines were drawn. 
The course was unalterable. Okay, honey. This was war. <laughs> so the boys are in shop class, and Craig hops and comments on Kevin's new pants. Then leads into him, why weren't you at the game yesterday? And then mentions how Paul set a new record, most dropped passage during a scrimmage. Kevin tells Craig, well, I couldn't make it because I had to help my dad change the spark plugs in the Impala. Paul tells him that they lost the game because Jimmy couldn't play because his mom was against it. Craig asks Kevin if he'll you'll be here to, you'll be there tonight, right? And Kevin tells him, "Yeah, I'll be there." Then Craig picks up a sliver of wood, the shape of a toothpick, sticks it between his lips, and walks off. Like, oh, I'm so cool. No, you're not, Craig. So Kevin's mom gave him strict orders to meet her in front of the school when it let out. But then Kevin figures, well, hmm, maybe I misheard. Maybe she meant to meet him in front of the house or at home after school. So he goes home in the kitchen, calls out, hey, mom, mom, you here? No? Okay, well, I'm out. Then he changes his into after school clothes and adjusts his Jets jacket and takes off for the park. I noticed that he didn't lock the door to the house. How nice you could do that back then and all your stuff would still be there when you get home. Doesn't work like that nowadays. So Kevin and Craig are tossing a football back and forth while when Paul comes up and Craig informs him, hey, you're late. Paul asks, well, you guys didn't start without me, did you? And Craig tells him, well, of course not. It wouldn't be a game without you. Ah, uh, they're ribbing between guys. Then Kevin notices his mom drive up, and boy, is she not happy. Kevin jogs over to her as the boys mock him, like, Oh, Kevin, your mom's here. Oh! She asks him, Kevin, what are you doing here? I told you to meet me out front of the school at 3 o'clock. He tells her, well, I'm sorry, I forgot. She's like, you, for you forgot. Yeah, she's not buying that, Kevin. He tells her, I thought you meant for me to meet you in front of the house after school. She's all like, really? That's what you thought I said. She's not believing him at all. Her pink outfit, by the way, is very nice looking. Maybe a little too nice just for running errands and going shopping. But, I mean, she's in the house all, time, all the time. So, it's like, when you go out, that's her only time to go out. It's like, she wants to look nice, you know? It's the only way she can look nice is when she goes out to buy groceries and stuff. She turns back to the car saying, well, we still have time to go to the store. But Kevin stands his ground telling her, I'm not coming, Mom. I'm playing football. She tells him, well, I thought we decided you weren't going to play anymore. He's like, I never said that. You decided that. What do you have against football anyway? I know that she wants to be, you know, protective of him. She still thinks of him as her little boy, but she needs to loosen the reins a little. Yes, he might get hurt, but that's the only way he's going to learn. She looks out onto the field and mentions how Doug Porter shouldn't be playing football. He has bladder problems. Bladder problems? Seriously? Where did she hear that? Doug's mother? Who stands around and talks about their kids' bladder issues with other mothers? That's just weird. Alright, I'm going to play this clip of Kevin standing up to Norma and telling her to stop babying him that he can take care of himself. So, I'll be right the back. I just worry about you, sweetheart. Don't you have anything better to do, Mom? I mean, just baby me. I can take care of myself. 
Well, if you're going to go, go. The look of hurt that passes over Norma's face when Kevin knocks her hand away after she tells him she worries about him when she and she reaches out to caress his head and he knocks her hand hand away. I think it's then that she realizes maybe she needs to let go and let Kevin make his own decisions as much as she wants to hold on to protect him from everything. He is growing up. So she says, you know, if you're going to go, then go. She tells him, then turns away and sadly walks back to her car, then leaves. Kevin heads back into the fray, and he's having the time of his life catching passes and scoring touchdowns. Craig Hobson calls a new game, as some boys mention, oh, it's getting late, and Paul complains of being cold, even though he has a zip-up hoodie over a sweatshirt. Kevin smiles, agreeing to a new game, as he tosses the ball to Craig Hobson. They break apart as Kevin takes his stance and catches the ball, running with it until he's hit by Craig Hobson, then pulled down to the ground by Randy Mitchell, and then a couple other kids pile on top of Kevin as he feels the weight of these boys pushing him farther and farther into the ground. Paul turns into a mother hen as he pulls the other guys off Kevin, or off while Kevin struggles to catch his breath. Paul calls the game off on account of Kevin's palm is bleeding. Did he cut his palm on a rock on the ground? I don't think it would bleed just because people tackled him to the ground. It must be a heck of a hard playing surface. He's cutting his palm on dirt. Paul tells everyone to go home, and a couple kids leave on account of it being late and dinner time. Kevin's still on the ground telling everyone, telling the leaving kids, it's like, it's okay guys, I'm alright, we can still play. And then he actually takes a look at his hand. As he walks home, he tells us that his hand started to burn like a five-alarm fire. As soon as he walks in the door, and he, she, Norma asks, Are you hurt? His face is dirty, probably from having his face ground into the dirt by all the boys that were piled on top of him. He tells her, No, I'm fine. Even though she wanted to help him and make him feel better, she held back and told him where the medical kit was and the iodine so he could bandage himself up. We see, we see him at the dining room table, bandaging up his hand. I think he overdid it on the gauze, but what kid didn't do that when they were doctoring their own cuts? And he is doing it with one hand. Having finished, Kevin gets up from the dining room table and leaves. How funny, just like a kid, he doesn't bother to put the first aid kit away. He just leaves it there open on the dining room table. Then we close out the episode with a flashback montage of Norma and Kevin as she holds onto his hands while he's taking his first steps. Then she's cuddling with him on the couch as he's holding his little stuffed animal. And then we see her in the backyard with him throwing a football. Oh, she's throwing a football to him when he's four years old and Kevin's wearing a helmet. Then we see her and Kevin is, when Kevin is seven years old and he's riding a bike on the sidewalk without training wheels for the first time because he's a little wobbly as he's going down. And she's just cheering, cheering, like, yay, just keep going, you're doing good. 
And then it basically fades to black. I love these cute flashbacks between them. It shows how close they were as he was when he was a little boy. But now that he's getting older and pulling away from her to gain more independence. Just I, I just think it's really cute. Alright, that's the end of the episode. Time for my Flower Power episode rating. I'm giving this episode 3 out of 5 Flower Power petals. One, for the flashbacks opening the episode with Norma and Kevin revealing their closeness and happy times. The song that, number two, the song that plays at the end, The Circle Game by Joni Mitchell during the flashbacks of young Norma and Kevin. Excuse me. The song really speaks to children being young and innocent and then progressing with age and pulling away from their parents as they gain independence when they get older. Three, the moment Kevin comes unhinged and tells his mother to stop treating him like a baby and that he can take care of himself. That look of hurt on Norma's face broke my heart. But at least she was, he was being honest with her and he stood his ground. She needs to cut the apron strings. I know he's her last baby, but she has to learn to let go. And number four, oops, hold on. Actually, that was just, basically, I'm sorry, I'm giving it a four out of five. Number four is for Paul looking out for Kevin and calling off a game, turning into Norma 2.0 when Kevin gets hurt. What a great friend. And here's my wonderling words of wisdom. What I got from this episode is cherish the times that you have with your parents and lean on their guidance. There will come a time when they will no longer be here and you'll find yourself asking, what would mom slash dad tell me to do in this situation? My quote of the episode, narrator, when you're a little boy, you don't have to go very far to find the center of your universe. Mom, she's always there. It's, pretty, it's a pretty good arrangement when you're five. But around age 13, there starts to be a problem. The problem is, she's always there. And I mean always. Now a mom has to be a mom, but a guy's gotta be a guy. And when an irresistible force meets an immovable object, sooner or later, something's gotta give. So we are on season four, episode 17. We are almost done with season four. And you know how last Sunday's episode was a father-son episode with the road trip? Well, this episode is going to be a mother-son episode. And gosh, you know, I don't think we've had an episode like that since Mom Wars in early season three. This episode is titled When Worlds Collide, which aired on March 20th, 1991. When his mom takes a job in the attendance office at his school, Kevin worries that his life is quote-unquote ruined. After his mom embarrasses him during a fire drill, Kevin tells her to no longer talk to him while at school. And boy, does that, does, do those words cut deep in her heart. Does anyone remember having fire drills in junior high and high school? Let me tell you, Kevin, you live in California, okay? So your coldest day could be my best day since I live in Michigan. As we would go outside, most likely without a coat on because we couldn't have coats in class anymore. And it'd be like maybe 40 some degrees. <laughs> hated those. I hated them. Yes, it was a break from from 
class and everything, but still. So you got to stand there while every kid comes out of there, while every teacher has to go and make sure all the kids are accounted for. It takes for freaking ever. Not a fan. Oh, yeah, and you know what? My job actually, gosh, I can't remember the last time we had a fire drill at our, it might have been sometime last year. I really can't remember, but there's this one time they did it, and it was like in March, and it was still really, really cold out. So, of course, even though people had their coats on, it was still crazy cold. And I think it was dark, too. <laughs> Not fun. Not fun. Does any Did anyone ever have to do, like, the, um... When you're on the school bus, and you have the, the bus driver pulls over because you gotta do, like, a fire drill off of the bus where you go to the emergency exit at the back of the bus and then you kind of hop off you know you, other kids are supposed to help you climb down I hated that although when I told that to Jeremy he's like you had to go to the back of the bus for a fire drill and I'm like yeah that's where the emergency exit is through the back of the bus he's like why would you go why wouldn't you go to the front of the bus like I have no idea but anyway, guys, let's get into this episode. So we open up the episode, Kevin's entering the school hallway. This is a large dang hallway. Holy moly, ours were not that big. But anyway, he's on top of the world. He's like, when I was 14, things were going my way. He slaps high five with some kid I've never seen before in my life. And then... In doing that, he ends up bumping into another kid. It's like, okay, your coolness factor just went... <laughs> way down. Like, he was cool for five seconds. <laughs> well, Kevin figures he may not be the coolest kid in school, but he's, like, in the top third or something of that degree. And then now he's out of school, so we got him bouncing a Harlem Globetrotter basketball while he's walking home. Well, he was bouncing it. You know what? He's got, like, a few, like, his binder and then a book under his arm. I'm like, you know what? Wouldn't it be great if they had backpacks back in the day? What do you think about that? I mean, I know when did backpacks even become a thing? The 80s? I remember. I loved going back to school shopping and getting clothes, getting new binders or trapper keeper type things and new book bag. Oh, I loved getting a new book bag. So Kevin's all talking about how he's got uh, his coolness factor and how he, there's one secret about him and I'm guessing it's got to be his mom that could set him apart from all the other quote-unquote cool kids. Like, oh, Kevin, come on, don't bash your mom like that. His secret is he had a mom? Who doesn't? I don't get that, Kevin. <laughs> What kid in the 70s didn't come home to find their mom at the stove? Oh, I see large Wonder Bread bread. You know, Kevin, you should be so lucky to come home and have a mom who's there waiting to give you chocolate chip cookies and milk or whatever. We all didn't get that. When I was in junior high, I came home to an empty house, okay? My dad didn't get out of work. He didn't get home till well after, like, 4 o'clock. And that was when he worked, like, second, or when he worked first shift. I would get off the bus, get into the house, I'd watch Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, uh, 
depending on what grade it was in, uh, Power Rangers, then Full House came on in reruns, and then of course, Wonder Years was on um, in reruns during the summer, I remember that, so sometimes my dad and I would watch that during dinner, so. But even still, I mean, don't bash your mom, you know, she's a caring sweetheart of a woman. I know it's uncool because you're 14 and all, but come on, Kevin. Okay, I want to play this cute clip between them because things are going to go south very shortly. So I'll be right back. I knew the walk. I knew the talk. I had my own kind of style. But like a lot of cool kids my age, I did have one tragic flaw. One terrible secret that threatened the very fabric of my fragile image. I, Kevin Arnold. Hi, honey. Hi, Mom. Had a mom. Did you have a good day at school? Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Don't get me wrong. I liked my mother. She was good to me. Hungry? Nah. Well, a little. Good. I made you a grilled cheese sandwich. She made me grilled cheese sandwiches. Milk. Thanks. She poured my milk. Oh, and I sewed that button on the shirt that you like, so you can wear it tomorrow. She sewed my buttons. That's great, Mom. And I went shopping for you today. You did? Mm-hmm. Face it, the woman loved me. She knew me better than anyone in the world, which, of course, was the problem. Look, underpants. Your favorite kind. She knew too much. So Kevin's mom makes him a grilled cheese sandwich and pours his milk. You know, he needs to take that basketball off of the kitchen table. That is gross. That thing's been on the ground, touching the ground, and now it's on the table. That is nasty. She also sewed his button on his favorite shirt so he can wear it the next day. And she bought him underwear. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the kid's not going to go into a store himself and buy his own underwear. I mean, come on. No no, 14-year-old boy is going to do that. But for Kevin, I mean, his mom knows him and everything like that. Which a mother's supposed to really know her son, what he's into, what he likes, what he doesn't like when it comes to, like, food and other things. But buying the underwear, it's like... Well, at least Wayne wasn't in the room when she, like, flashed those. It's like, whoa, okay, you bought me underwear. That's great. Um, you could have just given them to me and not made a big production about it. I mean, his dad and Wayne aren't there, so it's not a huge, huge deal. But it's just Kevin's like, okay, mom knows what more than she really needs to know about me. <laughs> okay, so she did take that basketball off the table. Thank Where is she putting it, though? She put it on the counter. Well, I mean, if she put it on the floor, someone would end up tripping over it. Just throw it out the door or something. Why is it in the house? You can't play basketball in the house. Sorry, guys, I'm really harping on this basketball thing. So when she says, I went shopping for you today, it's almost like, oh, what, did you buy something awesome? Something cool, like, something or other that he'd really enjoy? But no, she bought him underwear. Uh, okay, thank you. Who doesn't love underwear? So she pulls out of the bag 
a single pair of, or is it more than one? I think it's just one pair of underwear. They didn't have them in packages back in the 70s? What did she just get him one single pair of underpants? <laughs> oh, tidy whities No boxers for Kevin, I guess. <laughs> when did they start making boxer shorts for... I mean, when did those come around? I'm sure they had to have them in the 70s, right? I think it's Fruit of the Loom. And she tells him, oh, look, it's your favorite kind. Guys have a favorite kind of underwear? I mean, isn't Hanes, how is Hanes any different from Fruit of the Loom? Which, you know, when I was young, I used to think Fruit of the Loom underwear, when I see the commercials, was Fruit of Balloon. I don't know why. So now we got the Arnold man sacked out on the couch, watching the tube. I love how they hardly ever have Buster here. And by love, I mean I hate. Where is Buster? Kevin, why don't you have your dog with you? After he ran away and you were so happy, it's like, where's Buster? He should be there. They got him fixed. It's not like he's going to be excessively barking all the time. So while they're watching TV, Norma just kind of lets Jack know it's like the dryer's been acting up again. Changed the filter on it. Also, I put up a new shower curtain. How often do you think shower curtains should be changed? Twice a year? I'm thinking at least maybe twice a year. Or maybe once a year. I think it just depends on the type of shower curtain. I wish you got something cool and fancy looking. But then in the 70s, you probably didn't have a whole lot of options other than flower power petals or straight, solid colors, maybe stripes. I don't know. They have so many different options right now. I have this one that we've had for the last year or so that had license plates on it, which is really cool. But now it's like from overuse. It's like some of the license plates on the shower curtain are kind of getting kind of faded and crappy looking just from because before we had the um glass shower door and I mean that was like that when we bought the house and finally I'm like because the doors would get kind of stuck and everything and um finally I told Jeremy we'd always talked about taking the doors off the shower it's like they're stuck all the time it's a pain in the butt there's like not a lot of space between the toilet and the tub so it makes getting out of the shower if you had the doors on a real pain in the ass so finally I'm like hey Jeremy do you think you could take those off and by take those off I mean like could you do it today like within the next half hour so he did and it was, you know, it need, the doors being off, he had to clean, you know, the residue that they left behind. But finally, 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 we were able to put up the license plate shower curtain. And now it's like, I kind of want to look into replacing it. So, I don't know what I want to go with next. I saw, like, the, the skyline or something of London I thought would be really cool. I saw on Amazon, but a lot of the reviews were saying the picture looks kind of faded and not as good as the picture that's, sh the image that's shown on the Amazon website. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll find something that I really like. You know, when I had my own apartment shower curtain, I had the for the shower curtain was penguins, and I thought that was really cool. And then when we, Jeremy and I got our apartment when we first moved to where we live, um, I had found, because it was like a three-bedroom 
two bathroom, two full bathroom apartment. So the main bathroom that was for like guests or whatever, that was kind of my bathroom because it just had a tub in it. So I was able to find the uh, penguin shower curtain again, just like in my apartment. It was pretty cool. That was kind of like where I like read my books and stuff. But then the main one off the bedroom had a stand-up, long, Egyptian type uh, shower, stand-up shower, which was really cool. But anyway, enough about showers. We're talking about Norma here. She's talking about shower curtains and dryers not wanting to work and just basically her domain. Her the house is basically her domain because she's in it. Like, from the time she gets up in the morning to the evening. The only time she really ever leaves the house is either to get groceries or run errands. So, she's just giving them the lowdown on what's what, basically. What needs to be fixed. Little new new things that she got. Of course, the guys, they don't care. <laughs> they're like, oh, great. That's great. Can you move out of the way? You're blocking the TV. So, they're watching a basketball game on TV. And she's standing directly in front of it when she tells him she has news. And Wayne's like, that's great, Mom. Can you move? You're kind of blocking the TV. So I want to play this clip where she's standing in front of the TV, which you can't see in the clip, of course. Um, And she kind of tells Jack and the boys about this opportunity that kind of landed in her lap when she was at the A&P. About, uh friend of hers that uh, said that their neighbor had quit their job so there's an opening so I'm going to play that clip basically she wants to you know get you know the boys are in school Jack's working all all day and everything so it's just her in the house she wants something more to do which you know she should have that opportunity I mean if it's there if it's an opportunity go for it nothing like having a little work on your resume right so I'll play that clip. I'll be right back. Still, like a lot of housewives of her time, what mom knew was pretty much limited to her domain. Oh, Jack, the dryer's been acting up again. I had to change the filter on it today. Uh. And I put a new shower curtain up in the bathroom. And so long as what she did in her world didn't interfere with our world, that was fine with us. And... I've got some news. I was in line this morning at the AMP, and Marietta Newburn was ahead of me. She mentioned that her next-door neighbor had just quit her job and they needed someone to fill her position, just temporarily. So? So I went in. It's mostly just light typing and filing, nothing difficult. And I'd be home in plenty of time to cook dinner. What do you think? Now, obviously, what was required here was a show of enthusiasm, however half-hearted. Fine with me, then. Sounds great, Mom. Mom. You're blocking the TV. Oh, God. I'm sorry. And the decision had been made. Well, then, I guess that's that. After all, if a little meaningless clerical work could brighten her day... Nothing wrong with that. So where is this job? In the attendance office at Kevin's school. It was the cool kid's worst nightmare. 
So the current time period of the Wonder Years in Season 4 is the early 70s. We're talking probably 1971. So it seemed like there was at that period that women that had normally been housewives that were staying in the home were trying to exercise their rights as far as getting into the workforce, which props to Norma, seriously. It's like her kids are grown. The only thing she has to really be responsible for is cooking for them and doing their their laundry and everything. They can pretty much take care of themselves. Both of I mean, Kevin's going to be driving soon. Wayne's already got a license. You know, and Jack's working all day, so it's like she kind of needs to get out of the house and do something for herself. Something that's just for her. Excuse me. So she mentions how she decided to take the position, which is just going to be like, you know, typing and clerical work, you know, filing and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, I could see how I wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, filing... uh, Maybe, but the typing, um, I took a keyboarding class. I mean, that her is like typing on a typewriter in 1971 because they didn't have computers like they have now. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I'd be, I mean, if I were to get myself up to snuff with the speed of what it takes to be a typist, that would be one thing. But, yeah, I took a keyboarding class in high school. And let's just say I probably skipped a lot of that. Of course, that's probably why I lost my driving privileges (laughs) my uh, senior year of high school because my junior year was just like, I just, my dad worked in the morning. He was gone before 6 a.m. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to sleep until 10, go to Mickey D's, grab breakfast, and then go to my second class. So I'd skip, like, whether it was keyboarding or my child psych class. Yeah, apparently that didn't. I didn't do it every single day. But I probably did it, like, every couple weeks or something to that effect. Just like, eh, I don't want to do it. So, yeah, you get in trouble for that. I'm sure, like, there are harsher punishments now. For uh, kids just not showing up for class. Like, parents get in trouble now. Like, big time trouble if their kids don't show up for school. Unless they have a definite good reason. So, Wayne, of course, the look on his face. He really doesn't give a crap. Um, And she just says, you know, it's just temporary. She will be home in time to cook dinner and everything. And, And Kevin looks a little worried at first. And Jack is just like, it's fine with me. As long he's like, as long as his routine is not... Um, uprooted in any way, then he's all for it. And then, of course, he's like, well, where, where is this place? Where are you going to be working? She's like, oh, it's going to be in the office at Kevin's school. Boom! Kevin's coolness factor just takes a plummeting crap. That is the worst thing, I guess, to have a parent, especially a mom, in the school where you work. Like, Kevin, you think that's bad? Think about the kids. They have to go to school where their parent is a teacher, or even worse, what if your mom or your father or whatever were the principal of the school? I'd say those kids would probably have it a lot worse than you. Your mom's just working in the the office doing clerical work. That's like, I mean, come on now. There are kids out there that have uh, principals for parents that probably got it a bit worse, especially if they attend that school. 
So it, this isn't nothing for you, buddy. He's just mad because it's going to ruin his street cred, apparently, or school cred. Like, oh no, your mom works in the office. You're such a dork. You're not cool. Oh, I love this where Wayne is like, Mom, you're blocking the TV. Like, yeah, I know that you couldn't pause live TV back in TV back in 1971. So, so you missed something. You kind of you're screwed. I mean, you could catch that stuff even on the nightly news back then. I mean, maybe some highlights, but nothing that's going to be like. Unless they're doing something spectacular in that game, you're not going to really see it, be able to see it again. So it's like, you, what's that saying? You make a better door than a window? <laughs> Although there are some people that have their, t now, you know, with the flat screens, you can actually um, put the TV on the wall so you really can't block the television. Because these, the ones right here, are just the old standard def sitting on the floor models it is always so dark in this room why is it always so dark in this room with the tv on it's like there is no light in there whatsoever unless it's daytime and you have light filtering in from the outside oh i'm sorry guys there is light like way in the back we got like a lamp there by a desk we got a lamp sitting on an end table so there is a little bit of light so they're not in pitch black darkness so kevin refers to his mom working as in the office of his school as a cool kid's worst nightmare kevin you are he's just he said he's like in the third percentile or whatever like the third coolest or like it's all about perception that's how you think in your mind how people see you but not how they actually see you in a whole different way but he decides to go and talk to norma basically to maybe lay a little bit of ground rules or just maybe talk her out of doing this it's like kevin it's done she's accepted the position but hey, we get to get a nice little look in her closet. She's got some really nice clothes in there. I'm not a fashionista or anything, but she's got her shoes. You know, but her closet looks kind of tiny, though. But I think it's kind of her own. Unless it's like one half is her stuff, like with her outfits and stuff like that. And then the other half is probably like Jack's suits and stuff for work. But I'm going to play this Fun little clip of Kevin kind of talking to his mom about this job and everything. So I'll be right back. Mom, listen, about this job, give me a hand with this, will you, honey? Oh. It's been so long since I've actually typed. wonder if it's like riding a bicycle. Seemed to me this was a little more critical than typewriters or bicycles. Mom, are you sure this is a good idea? I mean, I just wonder if... You know, you've thought this all through. How do you mean, honey? Well, you know, a, a big decision like this isn't something you just want to rush into. Oh, I see. There. All I had to do was detail the greater ramifications. Which one do you think I should wear? Mom! Kevin. You're really worried about this, aren't you? God bless the woman. Oh, kinda. Well, don't be. Just be 
because I'm going to work doesn't mean that I'm going to neglect you. What? I may have a job, but I'm still your mother. And you're still my little boy. It wasn't exactly a comforting thought. Give me that. Still, I figured sooner or later Mom would realize what a bad idea this was. All she needed was a little time to think it over. What time should we leave tomorrow? Tomorrow? I start at nine. We can drive to school together. Thanks, but I think I'll take the bus. So what Norma pulls out of the, off of the shelf in the closet is actually a typewriter. It's like, all right, she's gonna bone up on her skills at the night before. I mean, I guess she starts tomorrow. It's like, wow, that um, that's fast. But, uh, yeah, she's going to take this opportunity to, you know, bun up on her typing skills. And Kevin is like, are you sure you want to do this? It's like, basically, he wants to talk her out of it. And, and it's like, Kevin, it's done. Okay, she's been hired. This is going to be her job for the time being. And he's like, are you sure? Have you really thought this through? And what... Norma is thinking is, oh no, Kevin's going to think that I'm neglecting him, you know, neglecting my motherly duties. And she's like, was that what you're worried about? Well, I'm not going to neglect my duties as a mother. I'm still going to be your mother and you're still going to be my little boy. It's like, okay, that mindset, uh, the little boy, it's like, he is 14. Yes, he's your baby. He's your little boy. Your last baby. But you gotta kind of eventually move away from that. But in her eyes, you know, Kevin's still her baby. But so she actually tells Kevin, it's like, alright, what time should we head out tomorrow? And he's like, uh, wait, what? And she's like, well, I start work at nine. You know, we can ride together. I'm like, Okay, since when does junior high start at 9 o'clock? Is that right? I'm trying to remember when... Okay, I would get up in the morning, 6.25 a... 6.20 in the morning. My bus would come at 6.55. So we'd get there... I think school started, like, probably about 8 for me. His school... Maybe times were different back then in 1971. Maybe class started at 9. I don't know. I mean, I think in elementary school for me, they started at 9, but not, not in junior high. Certainly not in high school. So she hands him the typewriter and she says, it's been so long since I've actually typed. I'm like, oh, Norma, um, you might have wanted to really, like, get into that, like, ASAP. Because that's going to come in later, but we'll talk about that when we get to that part. But Kevin's like, you know what, I'm going to take the bus. It's like, I understand where Kevin's coming from. It's like, your home life and your life at school are so completely separate. That bus ride between home and school is like, this is my freedom. This is my quote-unquote me time, I guess. Because that's the only time you really get to yourself. 
that you're pretty much either with your friends, right? Well, that and lunchtime, but even still, that bus ride, like, for me, that bus ride was my time to myself. I listened to my Walkman. I listened to my portable CD player when I got one. I really didn't talk a whole lot on the bus, but that was my time to myself. And I can see why Kevin would kind of want that me time, you know, excuse me, separate from his mom. Like, I see you at home all the time. Now, if I, if I get to see you at school, excuse me, well, if he goes in the office, he'll see her. But just, he needs that time away. For himself. Oh, I love how she refers to typing like it's been so long since she's done it. She's like, I wonder if it's like riding a bicycle. Like, you haven't done it in so long that when you get on a bike, it's pretty much all just comes back to you. Maybe. Maybe. So she pulls out two blazers. One is canary yellow and the other one's got a pink and white kind of checkered plaid look to it. They're both really, really pretty. I like them both. Um, God, I can't decide, but she kind of turns to Kevin and says, what do, you, what do you think? What do you think? This one or this one? So Kevin pretty much heads out of the room and that's when she brings up the whole when should we leave tomorrow situation and he's like, uh, no, I'm taking the bus, mom. Thank you. Next scene, no, he is not taking the bus. He is sitting shotgun in the car with his mom. She's, she's happy. It's like, I get to take my baby boy to school on my first day of my job. Like, uh, Just humor her for this one day, Kev. I know, I know it's got to suck. But she needs the support. So I would have played this clip. <laughs> oh, Kevin, I feel for you, bud. I feel for you, buddy. I'll be right back. This is fun, isn't it? So much for public transportation. I have never seen you dawdle so long getting ready for school. Sorry. You think I'm dressed okay? Actually, she looked kind of like an astronaut's wife. You look fine, Mom. Now if she could only look invisible. I'm just sorry that we won't be able to see each other more. What do you mean? Well, I'll probably be cooped up in that attendance office all day. I don't think I'll even have time to say hello. You won't? Well then, things were looking up. Maybe this wouldn't be so bad. Maybe once we got to school, no one would even know she was there. Once we actually got to school. Ready? Kevin? Uh, you go ahead, Mom. I got a, uh, a knot in my shoelace. You want any help? Oh, I may have an extra one in my... No, no, really. Thanks. But I don't want to be late. No, no, wouldn't want that. Well, then... See you, Mom. Um. 
So she kind of comments on, you know, I've never seen you dawdle, dawdle so much getting ready for school. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, he probably wanted to make this the quickest car ride, ride as humanly possible. I'm sure he doesn't normally dawdle, but in this case, uh, yeah. So she asked Kevin's opinion on her outfit, like, you know, am I dressed okay? And Kevin thinks to himself, like, yeah, for an astronaut's wife. She looks really, really pretty. She really, really does. She chose the canary yellow outfit with the hat and everything like that. So, you know, he's like, yeah, you look, you look fine, Mom. You look good. And then, of course, to himself, he's thinking, oh, now if she could only look invisible. It's like, yeah, you're just going to have to bite the bullet on this bud and just try to get through this day. So when she tells him, you know, I'm sorry, we probably won't be able to see each other much during the day. And this kind of, like, smile of relief crosses Kevin's face. Like, oh, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I'm going to be holed up in that attendance office all day. I mean, it's like, unless you're going to the attendance office, there really isn't going to be a reason to really, you know, be able to... The chances of them crossing paths is going to be, like, slim to nil. Which I'm just wondering, is, like, the attendance office also just the right... It's just the regular school office. It's not like they have a separate office just specifically for attendance, do they? I don't think so. She says, I probably won't even have time to say hello. And Kevin's, like, got a smile on his face, like... Oh, really? You you won't? Okay. He is so relieved. It's like, okay, maybe this isn't going to be so bad. Actually, in this scene on the car ride, as they're passing one of the side streets, I swear, and I looked this up, Um, one, this one truck that's parked on the side of the road looks like a truck from either the 80s or definitely the 90s. Just because I, I looked up trucks from the 1970s, and this thing is like, I think it's a Ford truck, but it just looks too modern era, like 19, I mean, if this was 1991, this car, look, this truck looks like it came from like late 80s, early 90s type vehicle. And I know they can't always, just like, especially if they're driving on real streets. You can only try to make it look as um, time period as you can. Sometimes there are going to be some slip-ups. Well, and Kevin's like, okay, maybe it won't be so bad. Once we get to school, no one will even know she's there. Well, first of all, how many people actually know Kevin Arnold's mom? I mean, other than Paul and maybe Doug, if Doug's even here anymore, I don't know. Um... I mean, really, who else really knows what Kevin's mom looks like? I mean, Kevin, mm, unless she makes herself known, which, spoiler alert, she does when she kind of points out to Kevin during that fire drill, um, they're not going to know unless she specifically points him out or vice versa if he were to do, like, hey, that's my mom there. So they got there as, like, one of the buses is letting off kids, so they made it just as one of the buses is rolling up. Like, wow. 
and buses gotta like pick up stops for kids so what's was the speed limits of the roads back in the day so norma's got a cardboard box filled with you know stuff maybe a picture of her family or something like something to kind of dress up her area which, would I have done that if I were going, like, the first day on my job, like, that? Like, eh, maybe not. But Kevin is like, okay, I gotta make sure no one sees me with her, because, of course, if they do, they're gonna say that this is my mother. So he pretends he's got, like, a knot in his shoelace or something. And Norma actually says, oh, I might have one in my purse. Wow. What doesn't she have in her purse? I mean, to have a shoelace, an extra shoelace on you? Wow. Moms, they come prepared for every single little mishap that could possibly happen. So she says, you know, I don't want to be late. And Kevin's like, oh no, definitely. You don't want to be late. Well, he's like, alright, see ya. And it's almost like she's a little disappointed. Like, did she think they were going to walk into school together? Because I wouldn't have advised that. Not on, Kevin, on Kevin's behalf. Uh, no. <laughs> you don't walk into school together with your mother. <laughs> That is just gonna be red flag alarm there. So Kevin made it to his class as he's walking in. No one's all freaking out. Some kid that's sitting next to him, actually, Kevin kind of does a sla side slap or whatever the hell. I don't know what you refer to that is. Nowadays, he'd probably just give him a nice little fist bump. Like, hey, so that's when Kevin or when Paul comes in. He's like, "Hey, Kev, guess who I ran into in the attendance office? Why was Paul there?" He's like, "Hey, it was your mom." <laughs> and that's when Paul pulls out of his pocket. Hey, your mom wanted me to give this to you—a long, really crappy shoestring. Ew. And Kevin is kind of going into freakout mode as he is kind of looking around like, oh no, someone... It's like, Kevin, chill yourself, bud, okay? You're freaking out. Nobody's paying attention. They're all just filing into the room and getting settled themselves. They really don't care. I want to play this little thing between him and Paul as Kevin plays it all like, Hey, my mom, I don't know what you're talking about, Paul. <laughs> you're so full of crap. <laughs> my mom isn't here. You must be thinking of someone else's mom. So I'm going to play this clip and I will be right back. So I passed the critical hurdle. I'd crossed the minefield. With mom safely stashed in the attendance office, I was feeling good again cool again. Hey, Kev. Guess who I ran into at the attendance office? Your mom. Oh, she wanted me to give this to you. Oh my gosh. There was only one way to handle this. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, Paul. Huh? My mother? I don't even have a mother. What? Well, of course I have a mother, but she's not here, Paul. Give me that. But I just saw her. No, you didn't, Paul. But I'm sure I... No, you didn't, Paul. You did not see my mother, Paul. Do I make myself clear? Oh. Take your seats, please. So Kevin just kind of laughs it off like, <laughs> Paul, really? My mother? I don't think so. And this girl sitting behind Kevin just has this weird little, like, <laughs> what the hell's with this guy? What's his deal here? <laughs> He even goes so far to say, I don't even have a mother. It's like, excuse me, what? 
Okay, now you're just hamming it up, Kev, because now you've got other people actually looking at you because you are going way off the deep end with this. So you want to keep a low profile, right? You don't want anyone to know, yet you're doing this hammy goofball routine that you're just... Uh... Basically, he's just drawing attention to himself and making himself a spectacle here. It's like, just take the damn shoelace and just like, oh, thank you, bye. And so Kevin just like, here, give me that. Of course they have a mother, but she's not here. And then Paul's like, what? I, I just saw her. He's like, you did not see my mother, Paul. Hint, hint. The girl with the glasses behind Paul, or behind Kevin is trying so hard to not be, <laughs> it's just, she's like, She's got like a tight little smile like, what is this? It's just funny watching her reaction, but the fact that Kevin's doing this whole charade and everything, all of the kids are now focused on Kevin and his little outburst. So Kevin's like, okay, you know, I weasel man way out of that. He's basically like, okay... I gotta just lay low here. Because he, like, looks at this kid across the way, like, in the next row over behind him. And the kid's like, dude, what was that about? Kevin's like, alright, just gotta lay low. It's gonna be fine. Just gotta avoid public places. And then they get the fire drill. Class just started. Seriously? Well... Honestly, if they're a fire drill, what would you rather have? The beginning of class or near the end of the day? I kind of would want towards the end of the day. Because by then, school is practically out. And it just gives you a little added break. So I'm going to play this clip of how funny this is going to be when there's a fire drill, Kevin goes outside, his mom just happens to be there with Diperna, and she's making a spectacle of herself. Like, oh, hi, baby! There's my little boy! I'm surprised she didn't pull out baby pictures of Kevin to show to the principal. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll be right back, guys. Okay, I'd weaseled my way out of it. But it was clear if I was going to survive this... I was going to have to lay low, avoid public situations, like say, now ordinarily a junior high school fire drill has all the excitement of a four week vacation packed into 10 minutes. But while everyone else was partying, I was busy keeping watch. There she is. Who? My mother. What's she doing now? Oh, she's talking to Mr. Aparna. Aparna? Great. Invading my turf wasn't bad enough. Now she was fraternizing with the enemy. This is unbelievable. Kev, aren't you making kind of a big deal out of this? I mean, look at you. Hiding from your own flesh and blood? Easy for him to say. It wasn't his flesh and blood. Paul, just stay out of this, okay? Oh, come on. What's she doing to hurt you? Well... And suddenly I felt ashamed. 
Paul, as usual, was right. This was my mother, the woman who cooked my food. And for that one moment, I actually forgave her. Just for that moment, though. At least these kids do a fire drill properly. It's not like they all, like, they all, like, stand up, get out of their seats, and calmly walk to. Because it's a rich... Uh, if this were an actual fire, there would probably be chaos. Kids would be pushing each other to get the hell out the door. And Kevin, of course, is the last to leave the room. I love how Kevin refers to how a fire drill has all the uh, excitement as a four-week vacation. I'd say a four-week vacation would be more cause to celebrate than a ten-minute fire drill. But then again... It does it really? It might even last longer than that. You can count every single kid. I mean, I'm trying to remember when I would do that. I think in high school, it's like. I think you had to line up, like, with whatever class you were currently in. Or they just had to make sure all the kids were out of the. What if someone was in the bathroom? And they're, like, really having to go to the bathroom. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> So, Kevin, you know, all the kids are out there. Kevin's just kind of looking for... And I see, you know, his mom's, you know, canary yellow hat up there. We also see Mr. DePerna. And Kevin is, like, trying to hide from his mom. So she doesn't see him. He's actually crouched down behind Paul. And he's... Kevin's like, oh, man, there she is. And Paul's like, who? And Kevin's like, my mom. And even Paul's like, Kev, aren't you making a big deal out of this? You are kind of overreacting. And again, it's easy for Paul to say because it's not his mom. I mean, can you see Paul probably trying to do the same thing if his mom were there? Yeah, I bet he would. So Kevin asks Paul, like, hey, what's she doing now? And Paul's like, well, she's talking to Principal DePerna. Like, oh, shoot. So Norma is, in fact, talking to DePerna. She's actually kind of, like, hanging on his arm or something like that. Oh, my God! She's kind of laughing and smiling. She actually gets DePerna to actually smile. Oh, my God. That sounds like something nobody can do. But if Norma can get anybody to laugh, she can get DePerna to laugh and smile. Oh, I love how DePerna is just whipping that whistle around, like, just flipping around. <laughs> I think that's funny. So that's when we kind of see it's like Norma's trying to find out where Kevin is and whether she has DePerna, and I'm sure he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure he's around somewhere. So Paul's like, of course, you know, Kevin, you're making a big deal out of this. Kevin's like, stay out of it. And then he's like, seriously, Kevin, what is she honestly doing to hurt you? And that's when Kevin is like, he's got no words. It's like, she really isn't. Until she calls out to him. And I'm kind of like, see, Kevin, if you haven't been ducking behind Paul, she probably would have seen you. And maybe... She maybe could have avoided this whole... I don't, I don't think she would have. I think she would have called out to him regardless of whether she saw him or not. 
So when she calls out to him, this look on Deperna's face is kind of, like, irritated and annoyed. Like, this is very unprofessional. Like, uh, and uh, it almost, almost made me think, like, oh, good thing I'm not this kid's mother. Or, good thing I'm not, uh, this lady's son. Because that's got to be embarrassing as hell. And right on cue, all the kids turn right around, face Kevin, and start laughing. It's like, <laughs> you suck. Good thing it's not my mom up there. <laughs> oh my god. I wouldn't be surprised if DePerna De is laughing. Like, oh my god, this is too funny not to laugh at. <laughs> I mean, you guys know he has had it out for Kevin since day one in that lunchroom incident, right? So now we go back inside the school where Kevin is getting a lot of backlash from this. It's like, kid, this is going to follow you around for quite a while. If not the whole week, then at least for the rest of that day. And these are the same three girls who were in Kevin's class. Especially the girl that was right behind him. It's like, oh my goodness. Like, oh, Kevin! Like, seriously? Uh, oh, Kevin, how are you going to live that down, guy? You you are not. You're going to be labeled mama's boy or I don't know. But I want to play that clip because that is kind of funny. It's kind of sad, but mm, I'll be right back. <laughs> you, Kevin! Possibly it had been the longest seven periods of my life in formal education. Hi, honey. In one fell swoop, I'd plunged from the top third of coolness to the bottom of the barrel. This is your fault. Mine? Why did this have to happen to me? It happened because your mother cared enough to say hello when she saw you. But somehow, I doubted that. Paul, what am I going to do? Well, there's only one thing to do. Talk to her. Tell her how you feel. I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. Kevin! You who? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, basically, this is towards the end of the day. Kevin said, you know, this is the longest seven periods that he's had to get through. And the guy that he was slapping palms with in class earlier before the fire grew, of course, is gonna mock him. Like, hi, honey! Like, ugh, guy. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's just, like, yeah, Kevin's, like, that coolness factor he had, he said basically now he's, like, the bottom of the barrel. Like, yeah, this could follow you around for a bit. Or at least until kids found some other victim to go after. So Paul comes up to his locker, and of course Kevin wheels around on him and is like, Hey, this is your fault! And Paul's like, Me? Really? And then Kevin's like, Why did this have to happen to me? Well, first of all, lay that blame on yourself, or on your mother, but not on Paul. He's just an innocent bystander here. But Paul does have advice. He's like, you know what, you should just talk to your mom. Let her know that calling out to him like that is not, is not cool. Just, just don't do that. Mm. Just reason with her, explain to her the situation, 
and maybe she'll understand. And Kevin at first was like, I, I don't know if that's gonna work. I don't know. It, it doesn't sound like Kevin. The only way she's gonna change is if you voice your concerns and get her to see from your POV. Dang, girls are really hitting on this whole thing hard. Like, dang, girls. <laughs> Girls could be as vicious as guys. I'm telling you right now, girls could even be worse than guys when it comes to bullying. I mean, guys have their own way, but girls are just absolutely, like, vicious when it comes to... <laughs> so Kevin does actually take Paul's advice, heads down to the basement where his mom is getting laundry all taken care of. So, yeah, it's time to have a little powwow with her and kind of set things straight here. She's actually still wearing her outfit from uh, school that day. Isn't that something? It's like like when you get home from your job you don't hang out in your work clothes. You're like, okay, I'm home. Work clothes come off. Lay around the house clothes. Go on. That's how I feel about it. It's like as soon as I'm home, I'm like, alright, get this stuff out of here. Or even when I'm going out somewhere, I'm like, alright, these clothes, they're done. Putting on my lounge pants, putting on my t-shirt, whatever, and I just, that shirt, that outfit, she's still in that outfit, and that's too nice to be doing laundry in. But then again, I don't know, maybe people just, they have one outfit that they wore for the entire day. They didn't go through a bunch of different outfits. So I'm going to play this clip. Of Kevin kind of laying down some ground rules for his mom to abide by while she is in the attendance office. So I'll play that and I'll be right back. Mom? We gotta talk. How do you mean? Well, see... One little problem here. How do you explain cool to a 40-year-old housewife who folds your sweat socks? Listen, Mom... This wasn't going to be easy. It was going to take tact. Finesse. When we're at school, could you maybe just not talk to me? Or notice me or, or even look at me? You know, because I'd rather people didn't even know you were there at all. Well, of course, Kevin. If that's what you'd like. Uh-huh. Winston Churchill himself couldn't have handled it better. So Kevin kind of opens up the question, you know, conversation, just asking him, hey, how'd it go? She's like, oh, it, it, it went all right. It went okay. But she does admit, you know, she's you know, a little nervous. You know, it's her first day and everything. So everything just seemed like uh, it was a lot more different than what she thought it would be. Maybe because you probably, you're in the office, you've got a billion things. I don't know whether she's answering phones. You know, she said it was basically going to be typing and filing. And maybe it's just having all this. You know, first days on any job have got to be tough. I mean, because you're getting so much information thrown at you. 
Um, although usually also some of that is you're filling out your paperwork, your emergency contact, your W-4, you know, all that stuff. You're getting all that stuff filled out and, uh, you know, getting your uniform and stuff like that. Depending on where you work, unless you're, you know, but that, that first day pretty much can make or break you. Depending on how fast you catch on. And all that stuff. I remember when it was my first day at ADEC, um, that, uh, at my job was, that was stressful because basically what you're doing is you're taking a part out of a, and you're putting it on a thing, um, a thing that holds the part in place. And then you're taking this piece of foam that goes over the back of the part, but then it's got these little nooks and crannies. So you got to really maneuver it on there. And the thing is, of course, it's like, you don't get paid by the piece you do. You get paid hourly. But it's just, it's really fat. You're supposed to get so many per hour and everything. And I was so stressed because I was only working on that one station. It's a two-station machine. I was so stressed, like, to the point where I got fed up and I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. They'll probably want someone else who's... I... I, I so, I get I get where, where Norma's kind of coming from a little bit. I mean, I've never done clerical work and stuff like that typing in my life, so... I can imagine that's got to be... When you're a housewife and you're kind of setting your own pace in your house. But when you're in a setting like that and there's so much stuff going on at once, that can be a bit overwhelming. Oh, she does mention kind of about trying to get her typing up to speed and everything like that. Once You know, that'll kind of, you know, things will smooth out. I mean, Kevin's got Deperna as a principal. Can you imagine having that man as a boss? As someone, oh, I can just see that guy being so, such a hard ass, so picky, very detailed about everything. And I bet he would probably hammer home like, hey, we got all these things we need to be typed up and this and that. You got to move a little faster, blah, 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 blah. I, I, if I had to choose between having him as a principal and having him as a, as a boss, I would probably rather have that man as a principal. Because... It's one thing you're going to school and having that man kind of oversee stuff, but if you have that guy as a boss, that is a billion times more stressful. So Kevin acts like he's gonna go upstairs, and he kind of was, but then he turned around and said, like, "Okay, we gotta. This thing's gotta come to a head here. It's gotta be. I gotta voice my concerns." Yeah, when he's like, you know, when we're at school, can you maybe not talk to me? It's like, her face just... She kind of sees, like, oh, okay, so I'm an embarrassment. And then he even adds, or notice me, or even look at me, or basically just don't let anyone know you're there. Oh my god, this... Her expression is so upsetting. It is so sad. It's like... A slap to the face, a punch to the stomach. I feel for Norma here. I really do. I'm not the parent of a teenager. I've never dealt with a situation like that. I just, she's really trying here. She could really use her son's support. I don't, I don't, I, how she had acted at that fire drill was 
kind of yeah, it was inappropriate, especially being that that is your your job and everything like that, and you're like kind of. I know, it's like you see your kid, you want to like, hey, hey, it's like, they probably don't want you, and Deperna's face when she was doing that, it's like, okay, this is very inappropriate, this is not proper work etiquette, or work, whatever, but I just, she's always seeing Kevin in her eyes, he's her baby boy, she loves him, and to see him turn on her like this, where it's like, oh, I'm a laughing stock. I'm an embarrassment to you. Okay. And she's like, okay, sweetie, whatever you want. That's that's fine. And, and Kevin is feeling like, okay, good. We crossed that bridge. We took care of that. That's done. But I don't know, guys. I just, I feel for Norma here. I really, really do. But then again, if she hadn't made a spectacle of herself then, do you think Kevin would still be coming at this? Like, please pretend you don't know me, that we don't know each other. It's like, they already know, the kids already know she's your mom, Kev, okay? You can't erase that and have a do-over. She's like, yeah, if that's what you'd like, sure. And she's like, I'm only here folding your laundry so you don't have to, son. But Kevin's at that age, all teenagers are, where their parents are kind of like... like They don't want to be around their parents. They definitely don't want to have their parents in their school. Where it's that one place they can get away from home and just be themselves. So, I mean... She never did this with... It's not like she decided to do this when Wayne was in the, in junior high or when Karen was in junior high. Because I really think... Would they have... They probably would have acted the same way as Kevin. I really don't think they would have been like, Oh, that's cool, Mom. That's cool you're coming to my school and working here and everything. Yeah, I could see they would have acted just like Kevin. I mean, when I was in first grade and stuff like that, my mom would actually walk down to see me in school because she wasn't living at home anymore. She was, you know, she was sick. She was living with, you know, my grandparents at the time. And it was, it was nice a little to have her there. Like, sometimes she'd come down, and, you know, in time for lunch and everything. But I was, like, seven years old, so it wasn't a big, big deal. But eventually they did kind of say, you know, you're kind of upsetting the the school day, you know, interrupting and stuff like that if you could not, you know. So they kind of told my mom just like, eh, maybe once in a great while, but not all the time. So anyway, let's see what's going to happen in the next school day for Kevin. Okay, so I see that she is still driving him to school. That's still a thing. I don't see why she can't just have him take the bus. Okay, so over the next few days, this is pretty much just the course of the majority of one school week. So the, when they get out of the car, they don't even say goodbye to each other. Norma's like, okay, he doesn't want me to even say hello to him. I'm just going to go to my to the office, start on my work. Now, here she's wearing a solid light pink outfit. It's very, very pretty. I like that the white purse she's carrying really goes with it. You actually see 
some of the other faculty, some of the teachers there, and they're more like, one of them's got their hair in a bun and really like old school mom look to her, and the other one's got kind of a like blazer on, but they're teachers. I mean, their stature is a little different from what Norma is doing. Norma would probably be like low person on the totem pole, like secretaries at the bottom, then you got your teachers, then you have like the principal. Of course, then you'd have your cafeteria workers in there, so they'd probably be, I think cafeteria workers would maybe be aligned in the same with like secretarial work and stuff like that. So Kevin just kind of stands by the car and just watches her go. And I'm kind of wondering if he feels a tinge of regret at, you know, her now just, she's doing what Kevin wants. She's basically ignoring him. That's what he wanted. But now it's almost like he feels a tinge of regret. Like, maybe I was too hard on her. Okay, this is going to be the next day then, because Kevin is in study hall, maybe? But the reason I say it's got to be the next day is because Norma is wearing the, the, pink, the pink and white plaid blazer. Really pretty, by the way. Really, her outfits are really nice. And she's talking with, like, I'm thinking it's, like, someone who's overseeing homeroom or the library or something that I thought she was mainly going to be in the office but she looks up at as Kevin is like showing some magazine or something some kid that's like in the seat up behind him and there Kevin and Norma's eyes kind of meet at this and she's just like right he didn't want me to say anything to him I'm not and Kevin even says it here is that Norma Arnold turned into a stranger. It's like, Kev, that's what you wanted, was it not? He just kind of tosses the magazine down on the table and he's like, he's, he's feeling regret. He's feeling like maybe the tactic I used was wrong. The words I said, maybe I shouldn't have been so harsh. So now we get Kevin in the boys' bathroom and he is cornered by someone who's a bully that... I'm trying to remember if we saw him on the f the the first in the pilot episode or... Because I think this bully guy has been in a few episodes. I don't know what the hell his name is, but... He kind of corners Kevin like, hey, your mom works in the office. You can get me one of those get out of class slips or whatever the heck. Hall passes or whatever. And he pretty much... I don't think he leaves room for debate with Kevin. It's like... Yes, you are going to get this for me, okay? Your mom works in the office. Simple. Get it for me. And I'll let you live. So I want to play this clip, and I will be right back. By Friday, I guess I was feeling pretty lousy about what I'd done. Face it, what harm was mom actually doing me? Hey, buddy. Hey, your old lady's working for the brass. Ask a stupid question? Tony. Tony Barbella, RFK's answer to Java Man. Listen, Arnold. You don't mind if I call you Arnold, do you? Well, so I need to ask you a favor. If that's all right with you. Well, I need a pass. You know the green ones? Get out of jail free? Oh. And, uh... Since you got family connections in the front office, 
I figured you were the guy to come to. Well, Antonio, of course I'd like to help you, but just because my... No, I understand the problems, the logistics. But listen, if you do this, I would really, 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 really appreciate it. Oh, back in the day when kids just had a uh, comb on them to uh, do a quick little touch-up in the bathroom mirror. You know, those are the same type of combs that they would give you on picture day. Or at least what I remember, standing in line waiting for my picture. They'd be like, here's this comb. It's like, yeah, the comb were great for a boy who's got short hair. But what about the girls get... The- they got long hair and stuff. Like, I would, like, try to use it. And the dang thing would, like, get stuck as you're trying to brush. Like, well, this is crap. <laughs> but then again, if you're using it and not wetting the comb first and then just trying to work it through dry, yeah, it's going to get stuck. So Tony, of course, is like, hey, your mom works in the office. Can you get me one of those green slips? The one that get out of jail free card. Basically, probably a pass that gets him out of school for the rest of the day. Since his mom works in the office and everything. And then he's like, well, I I get, you know, your whatever, you, you know, the logistics, whatever about, you know, your mom, it's your mom, your family and whatnot like that. Like, you might have some uh, discretion or whatever. I don't know. But anyway... So Kevin decides to do this. Yeah, Kevin, come on now. You don't take advantage of someone like that. You don't. And I'm referring to his mom. So we're going to get to this scene coming up as he goes into the office. Oh, this is so gross. This Frankie dude takes that comb that he's been running through his hair and he kind of bops it on Kevin's forehead and nose, getting all the little droplets of water. After that comb has been in that guy's hair, that is nasty. What if he has lice? I'm sure he probably doesn't, but because he looks like he takes good care of his hair. But still, nasty. Ick. I don't want someone's comb that's been through their hair touching my face or any other body part. So Kevin comes into the office, and it's a pretty big office there. Uh, Norman's just sitting at the desk doing some typing. And I guess the thing that he wants is actually on the back wall. So it's like he would have to go into an area that is not for students to go into. Restricted area, restricted to students. And he basically asks her to get, like, I need something that she needs to get out of the purse. So while she's occupied with that, he is going to go and get one of those slips. Kevin, oh my god. But I'm going to play this clip and I will be right back. I was mad. I'd been led to a life of crime and I knew by whom. The real culprit was right behind that counter. Mom? What are you doing here? I, uh, forgot my lunch money. Honey, my purse is on that desk back there. Would you mind just coming in to get it? Sure. Ah, the devious depths of the criminal mind. 
Okay, so I knew it was wrong. I had no choice. Besides, after all I'd been through, what court in the world would convict me? Kevin? And suddenly, court was in session. I, uh... Uh, Mrs. Arnold, uh, could I speak with you, please? I'll be right in. As soon as possible, please. Well, I have to get to work. So the minute that Kevin Kozla came on, her face lights up. It's like, okay, he's speaking to me now. He's acknowledging me that, you know, my existence and that we're related. So that makes her feel good. So he says, hey, I forgot my lunch money. And she's like, well, my purse is over there on the desk. Can you come back and get it? Students, I don't think, are allowed back there. So her back is pretty much turned while he goes around to get it. And I think DePerna is kind of watching this whole thing go down from his office. So here are Kevin's words. I knew it was wrong, but I had no choice. Really, Kev? You had no choice? Was that guy going to beat the crap out of you? Really? Because I... He probably threatened him in some way. I don't know. But even still, it's like, Kev, you have a choice. You more than likely just cost your mom her job. So you can't tell me it's up because she's not up to snuff on her typing. It's because Kevin was behind there where he should not have been. DePerna, of course, is seeing all this go down. And he's like, well, this is the perfect opportunity. I'm going to let her go. I'm going to say it's because of this. And she's not going to be able to fault me on it. So after Kevin gets the money out of the purse, he... And you can hear him ripping this off. And that's when Norma turns around and she's like, Kevin, what are you doing? Like, can I help you? And that look of shock and betrayal on her face is like, my son just did this. My son is doing something he should not be doing. And he just took advantage of me. Uh, she caught him red-handed and the look that she gives him is like, what are you doing? What You just took advantage of me. That look on her face. And that is when DePerna opens the door. So he was probably watching this from those blinds nonchalantly. As Kevin tries to explain away why he took that, that's when DePerna opens the door and asks to see Norma. And he sees Kevin. He does like a double take. Like, why is... He doesn't say anything, but he's almost like... He does a double take and he's like... Thank you. Probably thinking, like, what is this boy, what is your son doing behind here? This is not a place, this is restricted to students. So she tells him, you know, I'll be right in, and he's like, as soon as possible. It's like, straight-faced, no smirk, no smile, no nothing, no friendly manner of any kind. He is all business, and this is not good. So she just looks at Kevin like, well, I have to get to work. So I'm guessing that means, well, I have to see my boss now. And Kevin, of course, is feeling guilty. And he just takes that pass that he took off and he just plops it on the, um, the whatever, the desk, the, the counter, the whatever, the table. 
So now this is after school, and now we see Norma hanging by her car, probably waiting for Kevin to get out of class. And she's got she's got her cardboard box full of her stuff, so it's like, okay, whatever happened, it's not good. And I want to play that clip right now, and I'll be right back. Suddenly, the Tony Barbellas of the world seemed like small potatoes. Mom? About what happened? It wasn't what it looked like. Anyway, I, I didn't take that pass. I know. So, Kevin, could we talk about this later? I'm just a little distracted right now. I just got my walking papers. Mr. DePerna just fired me. Oh. He said my typing wasn't up to snuff and that my dictation was laborious. He said that? I don't know. Maybe he's right. Anyway. Now you know. I'm really sorry, Mom. Guess even astronauts' wives had a bad day once in a while. Want some company? No. Could you take the bus? I think I'd like to go for a drive. Sure. So Kevin goes out there and he calls out to his mom. He kind of in his head is just thinking, you know, that whole thing with a bully back there and getting the pass that doesn't matter anymore. And so Kevin kind of just explains away how, you know, about what happened. I didn't take that pass. And she's like, yeah, I know. I know. Oh, he says it wasn't what it looked like. And I didn't take that pass. Like, I don't think any amount of apologizing or whatever you're trying to clear yourself here, Kevin, is going to help. Because your mom is not in the best of places right now, emotionally. So she kind of even cuts Kevin off. She's like, Kevin, can we talk about this later? You know, she's, you know, I'm a little distracted. And then she says, well, Mr. DePerna just gave me my walking papers. As in, he just fired me. And... Oh my god. Guys, if you have not ever been fired from a job, let me tell you, that has got to be one of the worst feelings out there. I meant on an intellectual level, on a personal level. I mean, this probably hurts a lot worse than what Kevin had said. Like, hey, just pretend we don't know each other at school. Because this is like, Personally, it's a punch in the stomach. It's like someone's basically telling you your work isn't good enough. They're it's like they're judging you, they're critiquing you, and it's 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 
one of the most terrible feelings. I've been let go from jobs in the past. And let me tell you, it's hard. It is so hard. Especially when you feel that you're wronged. That Especially when you know, when it comes out of nowhere and you're just, hey, can I see you for a minute? And you're not expecting it. And they're like, well, we've decided. And they don't say fired anymore. They say either let go or they say we're terminating you. Which sounds... Like, anyway, oops, sorry. Um, yeah, so I feel for Norma here. It's like she went out in the workforce for the first time with a little bit of typing. She tells Kevin that basically DePerna said her typing is not up to snuff, her dictation is laborious. Which, what is that dictation? Is that like where you speak into a microphone and take down someone else's notes or something to that degree? Um, and Norma just, you know, she tells Kevin, like, hey, do you think you can take the bus? It's like, I I really need to be alone right now and just, I need to go for a drive. I need to clear my head. It's like one of those things, it's like, after that, after you get let go, the last thing you want to do is be around anybody it's like you want to just I remember getting let go from my first job it was at Burger King um and I came into work the manager called me into the office and this is the thing this was my very first job and I had been there for a month they stuck me out in back cash which is where you're giving change back this was before they told you how much to give you know the customer back they basically print up a receipt a paper receipt say what how much the total is that person from the car gives you that amount you make it's basically a change drawer and I wasn't a hundred percent greatest at that um, I'm sure at the registers, you know, up front, that told you how much to give back and everything. But they stuck me on back cash. And I was there for about a month. And I was taken to the office. I remember this day. It was raining cats and dogs. And um, they let me go. They said, your, your, your drawers come up short multiple times. Which, the thing is, they never once brought this up to me. And they said, unfortunately, we're going to have to let you go. This was a shock. I walked out into the downpour. And this is my, you know, my first car also. I'm still working the con controls as far as defrost. So, of course, it's raining cats and dogs. I'm driving. The window is clouding up. The windshield is clouding up. So, I have to stop somewhere, like, just stop for a second at this one place. And then... I go up to the farm, you know, that was my grandparents' house at the time, and my dad was there, and he's like, hey, what's up? I thought you were at work, and I'm like, well, I, um, I got let go, and I was, I was upset, I was crying, and my dad just said, look at me, he's like, you know what, you don't really like that job anyway, you can do, we can do better, it's like, my dad knew what to say in that moment to make me feel good, and that that was my first ever job, you know? I I tried my hardest. I just, I guess I wasn't up to snuff with, but then again, this was back in, like, 1999. I would have been 
16 going on 17. So they don't do that anymore. Luckily, you have a register back there that will tell you, that will help you out and tell you how much you need to give back. So there should be really little to no error as to your drawer being short. But that was a lesson learned for me. Um, that really, really was. And just from there on out. But anyway, guys, I just wanted to share my story of being let go for the first time. And this is Norma. You know, going, like I said, going out in the workforce. First time. She gets let go after, oh, she'd been there, what, a week? And it's like, maybe that's just, they give you a week trial basis, see how you do if she couldn't keep up. I honestly think Deperna, I don't think it was because she wasn't fast enough. Maybe that might have been a small part. I really don't know. I think the fact that he saw Kevin right behind there where he was not supposed to be in the office probably taking that pass. Excuse me. And he'd already... I think he honestly even had already made up his mind about Norma. And this pretty much was just the the nail in the coffin. Okay. this is, And maybe even her little like, hey, Kevin. I think maybe that thing would have been something else. It was like, okay, she's not being very professional right now. There's a way that you conduct yourself while you're at a job. And just because you see someone you know does not mean you like, oh, ah, you don't do that. Okay. You... you maintain a professional sense of self when you're at your job regardless of whether you're teaching it whether you're at your kid's school or not but honestly Norma congratulate you because you tried you did your damnedest you did your hardest and now it's on to bigger and better things as we're going to find out this is just a stepping stone she got the experience a little more experience She's going to go move forward in life. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Deperna, bye. We're done. We're done with that, right? Okay. But anyway, going back to when she tells Kevin Deperna just fired me, the look on Kevin's face is like, I'd say it's a mix between surprise and shock. Like, oh, wow. It's like Kevin wasn't expecting that to happen when his mom got called in there. You know, and she, yeah, she even uses the word my type. He says my typing wasn't up to snuff. My dictation was laborious. And Kevin's just kind of surprised. Like, he said that? Like, how dare he? How dare he say that about my mother? And she even says, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's right. It's like she's doubting herself because of what he said. It's like, Norma, don't. Do not doubt yourself. You are an amazing woman. You are a hard worker. That man has got a stick up his butt. Okay? That guy has never been happy a day in his life, clearly. And he's taking it out on every single person. I would not want to work for that man. I don't think anyone would unless they were forced to. Oh, I noticed in the cardboard box, she's got one of those, like, calendars, like, you the rip-off-a-page ones. Like, it just looks, it says 1971 on there, so. So now Kevin's like, hey mom, do you, do you want a, some company? And she's like, mm, no, I need to be alone for a bit. Do you want to, do you mind taking the bus? So. So I take it one of the faculty members has a motorcycle. <laughs> I doubt it belongs to one of the kids. This is just, all I see for kids are the bicycles. 
None of them's old enough to have a license just yet. So now we're back at home, and Norma's still out. It's close to dinner time, and Wayne, of course, is complaining, well, where is she? I'm hungry. Just eat your damn peanut butter, Wayne, okay? You'll live. Even Jack is just, he's just kind of eyeing the TV, just kind of wondering, you know, what's going on and all that. Well, so I want to play this clip as Norma comes through the door and just kind of lets the family know what's going on. And I'll be right back. So where is she? I'm hungry. How should I know? That night I didn't feel up to explanations. Something happened at school? No. I, I mean, nothing that I know of. I knew I was going to be in trouble for what I'd done, but that's not what troubled me most. Standing in that kitchen where Mom had made her family grilled cheese sandwiches for the past 18 years, I knew that something had changed. About time. Mm -hmm. Dad, Wayne? The least I could do was prepare them for the shattered soul about to walk through that door. Hi! Anybody hungry? Oh. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I lost track of time. We'll eat in 20 minutes. Just let me get this casserole in the oven. Oh, and I stopped by and picked up the crumb cake you all love. Great. Oh. You need that fresh and honey? No, thanks. It was incredible. This was the most unshattered soul I'd ever laid eyes on. She seemed happy, almost confident, almost... Oh, Kevin, did you tell your father about school today? completely out of her mind. What about school? I won't be working there anymore. What? Why? Well, it's pretty simple, really. And I knew she was going to tell them about everything. Only for some reason, she didn't. It's just not the right job for me. Not right now. And I think I can do better. So I won't be going back there. Right, honey? Well then, if that's what you want. That's what I want. And in that moment, I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt one thing about this woman I'd been so ashamed of. By the way, you're grounded. She was pretty cool. So, of course, when Wayne asks, you know, where is she? I'm hungry. Kevin's like, you know, throws his arms up. How should I know? I don't know. And then Jack just kind of eyes Kevin, Kevin like, did something happen at school? So Kevin just kind of plays it off like, nope, nothing that I know of anyway. And it's like, yeah, not really Kevin's place to say what happened. Let Norma kind of explain all that. So Kevin, of course, knows that he is going to get into trouble for trying to take that, that pass. And he's just kind of ruminating about, you know, his mother having been a mother, just made grilled cheese for the last 18 years. 
and how, you know, something's, you know, changed. Just her taking this job is kind of, you know, she was basically more than a mother. You know, she's a woman that, you know, a hardworking woman that's going out into the world and just making changes and stuff like that. So, well, as he's standing there at the kitchen, we kind of see the headlights of the car kind of come up like, all right, yeah, she's home. So Kevin kind of turns to his dad and Wayne and it's like, he kind of like, uh, dad, Wayne, like he wants to tell them, like kind of just prepare them, but it's like, mm, it's better off, like, just let her explain it because, you know, if you, you're going to put things in a damp or sour mood and then it's just, just, just let her, her explain how she's going to, what's going to happen. Ooh, she's got Edamins, Entamins, or whatever the heck they're called. Ooh, yummy crumb cake dessert. Ooh. Actually, I saw that the other night when I was at Walmart. They had a raspberry one that looked really good. I didn't buy it because it was like four and a half dollars, which I doubt that's how much it was in 71. So Norma comes in the door. She is all smiles like, hey, I'm back. Anybody hungry? And Jack and Wayne are like, oh. Yo, yeah, we, we're we hungry, all right. Like, mm-hmm. So she's got a casserole already prepared. She's got to go in the oven. She said 20 minutes, dinner is going to be on the table. So she really, she snaps back into mom mode, like, immediately as soon as she's in the kitchen. It's like, that is her lair. That is her home base. She is in mom mode now. And Kevin just kind of looks... At her, just kind of all cheery and everything. It's like, gone is a sad and upset woman that he met at the car outside of, after school. And he's just amazed. It's like, how easy she is just able to slip back into this role again. Ooh, crumb cake. Yummy. And she pops that in the oven. And like, yeah, I bet they were eyeing that as soon as she walked in the door. Like, ooh, dessert. Do people really do dessert anymore? It's like, I grew up, that was kind of a thing. But then now that I'm married and everything, it's like, I can't remember the last time. It's like, we really don't do dessert. It's more like, we just snack later in the evening. <laughs> so Kevin's still just standing there. And uh, Norma had gotten uh, Jack's glass to give him a refill on whatever he was drinking. And she looks Kevin straight in the eyes like, hey, Kevin, did you uh, tell your father what happened at school today? So I don't think she's referring to what happened with her. I think it's like, oh, did you tell your dad that you snuck in behind my desk and got that pass and got found out? It's like, that's what she's like. Uh, yeah, did you tell him? So Jack is all ears as he says, uh, what about school? And... Norma kind of looks at Kevin, and then she pretty much, she doesn't blow, you know, the, about him taking that pass. She basically just tells them that I won't be working there anymore. And Jack is surprised when he hears this. He's like, what? Why? It's almost like he's concerned. He's like, well, what happened? It's like, what a good husband right there. He's sympathetic automatically. It's like, yes. Oh my goodness, great on you, Jack. Because, you know, Jack is more of a, like, eh, 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 guy. But the fact that when his wife says, no, I'm not going to be doing that anymore, you know, working there. And he's, at, ultimately, you, he's concerned, like, what happened? So I was like, yeah, she's pouring that into Jack, that um, long bottle of 
clear liquid, which is probably vodka or something like that. She's pouring it, and Kevin is just right there. And she's, like, eyeing Kevin the whole time. It's almost like, do you want to, are you going to break the news or whatever? And she, Kevin thinks, like, okay, she's going to spill. She's going to say that she got let go. She doesn't do that. She holds her composure. She's like, it just wasn't the right job for me. And I love how she says, I can do better. Well, she says it's not the right job for me right now. And then she says, I think I can do better. I'm like, yes, girl, you can do better. You can do so much better, so much more. Love that confidence, Norma. You keep that going, girl. And she says, I won't be going back there. And she looks Kevin square in the face with serious look. She's like, right, honey? So it's just implying, like, you got me fired, or don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass you anymore at school kind of feeling, or I'm just trying to figure, like, what is the communication here? So after she, like, checks peaks in the oven real quick, turns to Kevin, after she puts on her apron, looks at him, is like, you're grounded. Not even missing a beat, she doesn't stutter, like, you're grounded. Like, you were not going to get away with that. You think, no, 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 no. And Kevin just looked at his mom like, wow, this woman, she is pretty cool. It's like, yeah, boy. <laughs> she is pretty awesome. So later that night, Kevin is in the kitchen looking for something. It's like he pulls open a... A cupboard, and on the inside is like pasted, like taped up recipes, which I think that's really cool. And we got Norma sitting at, I think it's a dining room table, and she's on the typewriter. But what she's typing is for a uh, application to a community college. It's like okay, so so you can do this. You're gonna do this right. You're gonna go to college. You're gonna take some classes. You, it's just, I tip my hat. I clap. I applaud you, Norma. Yes. So, and I like to hear how Kevin says, you know, his mom is, you know, the kids have grown up. They are no longer in pajamas needing anything really anymore. And it's just, it's time for Norma to focus on Norma aside from being a housewife. And, you know, he, Kevin goes up like, hey, do we got any more hot chocolate? And she's like, simple as that. She gets up like, would you like me to make you some? He's like, yeah, sure. So Kevin kind of, after she gets up and walks into the kitchen, Kevin kind of looks at what she's been typing on the typewriter. And it's River Community College Entrance Application, it says. And she's got Norma Ar Mrs. Norma Arnold. It looks like 516 I'm trying to um, Street. Something Street. 516 something street. I can't tell, but. So I want to play this last clip of, you know, older Kevin just reminiscing about, you know, when you're 14 and just whatever, you know, his closing quote of the episode, which I know I haven't been doing the Wonder Years quotes, like saying them at the end, like, hey, this is my favorite quote. You're going to basically just hear the quote at the end when I do have a clip available. And this is just, it's sweet. It's like Norma is 
not only a housewife, she's going to be a college student. And I think that is awesome. She's going to, she's coming into her own. She's becoming her own person. Her children are just about grown. Kevin's 14. He's going to be out of, out of high school, graduated in what, like three years, three and a half, four years. Wayne's just about there. Karen's already graduated. It's like, okay, once the kids are out of the nest in that way, once they're older, they don't need you nearly as much. It's that time that you can focus on you. So I'm going to play that clip, and I'll be right back. When you're 14, change is an everyday thing. You live with it every moment of your life. But that night... I understood for the first time that mom's world was changing too, maybe more than mine. Her family was growing up. She didn't have kids in pajamas anymore asking, Mom, do we have any more hot chocolate? Would you like me to make you some? Sure. Still, somehow, I knew that whatever change lay ahead, Norma Arnold would handle it. Ready in a minute, honey. All right, it's time for the Flower Power episode rating. I'm going to give this one... Let's see. How about we give it three out of five Flower Power petals? Um... I want to give it definitely for Norma taking the job in the attendance office. Um, Let's see. Also for, even though she did embarrass Kevin, which wasn't great, it wasn't very professional either. The one thing I did like is it seemed to like crack a smile with DiPerno, which you never see that guy smile. So there's another one. And of course the last one is going to be basically... Norma telling the family that the job wasn't for her, it's time to move on, and then, you know, with her filling out the entrance entrance application to go to college. Uh, not too off, Kevin was being a jerk, you know, with him hiding from his mom, just really acting kind of like his little mini outburst in class, like, <laughs> and just treating Paul like crap. And then, of course, getting that hall pass, which probably, I think in my heart, I bet anything that was a contribution as to why Norma got let go. I really, really do. DePerna just used the whole typing, your work's not up to snuff, as an excuse, but really it was for the hall pass. And I think the whole thing with her saying, you know, hey to Kevin, you know, being unprofessional, I think those were a couple things. And he just used, like, she's not going to question that. Like, definitely not question him as to why, like, hey, you, you really, my my typing's not up to snuff, really, because I think I'm doing, it, it, it's like, she's not going to question, like, if he says that's what it is, it's like, in her heart, in her mind, she's questioning, like, I don't think so, but she's not, but anyway, those were the, the two that I kind of knocked off for, um, one really words of wisdom, Gosh. As a teenager, um, or any other than, you know, I told this story about my mom, um, 
there was a time that my aunt, like in eighth grade, my aunt had come down to, because my dad was at work and she came down to speak to my teacher because she had said, the teacher called me a dork. And I remember it's like at first I thought she was joking when she said it. She's like, no, but really, Angie, you are a dork. Because I went by Angie then. And it's like, so I kind of like just left it off a little bit. But then I went home and told my aunt about it. My aunt called my grandma. My aunt decided to come down there and say, see what. So we all, you know, sat down and everything. And just basically the teacher turned it on its head and made it sound like I was blowing everything out of proportion. But anyway, um, my cousin Kevin was in eighth grade at the time. We both were in the same grade. And we both shared a shop class. So we had that I had that little meeting with my aunt, my teacher, and then I went to shop. My aunt went and wrote a little note to, you know, my cousin Kevin and said, Here, give this to him. Just to kinda embarrass him, say, Oh, I love you, sweetie, or something like that. She wrote on the paper for me to give to him or something like that. <laughs> so there's there's that. Um Thank you.